Welcome to Passion Church. This week's message is called, The Power of the Towel. We think that you'll find this message a blessing. Thank you for joining us. Well, if you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Philippians. Second chapter, first verse. So, by whatever appeal to you there is in our mutual dwelling in Christ, by whatever strengthening and consoling and encouraging our relationship in Him affords, by whatever persuasive incentive there is in love, by whatever participation in the Holy Spirit we share, and by whatever depth of affection and compassionate sympathy, fill up and complete my joy, Paul is writing to the church, complete my joy by living in harmony and being of the same mind and in purpose, having the same love and being in full accord and of one harmonious mind and intention. Do nothing from factional motives through contentiousness, strife, selfishness, or for unworthy ends, or prompted by conceit and empty arrogance. Instead, in the true spirit of humility, lowliness of mind, let each regard others as better than and superior to himself, thinking more highly of one another than you do yourselves. Let each of you esteem and look upon and be concerned for not merely his own interest, but also each for the interest of others. Let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility, who although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God God, did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained, but stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity, so as to assume the guise of a servant or a slave, in that he became like men and was born a human being. And after he appeared in human form, he abased and humbled himself still further and carried his obedience to the extreme of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, because he stooped so low, God has highly exalted him and has freely bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that in and at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Actually, it says every knee must bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue frankly and openly confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If I was going to pull out one scripture to really be our focus today, it would be verse 5. I'll read it out of the King James. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. How many want to think like Jesus? Amen. How many want to be like Jesus? Amen. You know, I was thinking about this scripture as I read it, and of course I know I kind of did a brief bypass on it last week, but why did Jesus come as a servant? 
Why didn't he come as a royal dictator? Why didn't he come with a strong arm? The strong arm of God. Why did he choose a tender approach to the world and not a military coup? I pose this question, is the towel, I put a towel on my arm last week, I'll do it again this week just for illustration purposes, is the towel mightier than the sword? Does Jesus know something that we do not? Has Jesus got a hold of something that we don't understand? In life and in the world, as long as there is sin, there will be wars and rumors of wars and factions of wars. There will always be nations rising up to try to conquer another nation. There will always be a feuding of some people. There will always be somebody who's offended because sin has entered into the world. But there's never been true military conquest that really ever brought true peace. It might bring fleeting peace. It might bring peace for a while. But just let sin run long enough, and it will disrupt the peace wherever it is found. I believe the answer to all the aforementioned questions are right here in the text, because the Amplified Bible spells it out very clearly that everything God is, Jesus was. He was God through and through. All the rights and privileges that belonged to deity was at his disposal. He claims, his claims, I'll get it right, his claims were not blasphemous or arrogant. He really was God. Yet he stripped himself of these rights and privileges and to take on the form and the role of a man and then humbled himself again as a man to not be born in a king's palace. Now, I was thinking about something in worship a while ago. I'll try not to deviate too far. But I was thinking about something in worship a while ago. I was watching Austin as he was singing, and I was listening to Katie as she was playing the keyboard. And I was listening to Michael on the drums and John on the bass. And I was looking at all of them, and they have strengths and they have weaknesses in their abilities. And I was watching them, and I was thinking, what wonderful music comes out of such weakened, flawed humanity? Now the team's all like, thanks a lot. <laughs> Said, we've had it. We're, we're upset. We're offended. We're out of here. But I was thinking about that. You know, in the Bible, how do I want to say this? In the, don't offend nobody else. In the Bible, <laughs> when Israel didn't want to do things God's way, they decided they would choose a king. And so they chose a king, King Saul. And do you know what the prerequisite was that they chose him on? He was taller than everybody else. So if you're taller, that makes you a good king, right? They chose him because he was tall, but the truth was he did some good things, but the truth was his heart wasn't sold out to God. And God allowed them to have the king they wanted, but he wasn't the king they needed. 
And so God went back on the backside of a Judean hill somewhere, found a little shepherd boy who spent time in intimacy with him and brought him to the forefront. But he didn't become a king immediately. He became a king over all of his courageous acts of service, all of his courageous acts of overcoming fear, all of the courageous acts of facing death until a character was built on the inside of him. But the first and foremost prerequisite was that he loved God. Now, to be fair to the worship team, I've worked with a lot of talented people through the years. I've worked with people who have natural-born talent. The moment they're born, it is there. And stood on the same platform with them and watched them live anything but a righteous life. And people ooh and awe over their talent. But when you have inside information and you're standing in the background and you watch, you know that their life doesn't line up with the things that they sing. It leaves a hole in your spirit. And the real truth is, talent will put goosebumps on your arms. But anointing will change your heart. And I've heard people who couldn't quite hit the notes as pure and as sweet and as beautiful do far more in the spirit than those who have the talent. At Christmas time, I have a favorite Christmas song. Some of you may have a favorite Christmas song. I love the old traditional Christmas songs. They're all my favorite. But of the new stuff that comes out, Mary, Did You Know? I love that song. That song was inspired by God. And I love that song. And the two gentlemen that wrote the song are very talented. But their name doesn't shine on marquees around the world. Yet when either one of them sing it, the power of God is released. I've seen that song sung in little church programs and on major arenas. And I've heard some of the biggest names in music, sing that song, and it leaves me flat every time. Yet when one of those guys that wrote the song sing it, the anointing is rich and real. And God is looking for a particular mindset to be in his church. He's looking for a people who understand, I'm not all that. Is that okay to say? He's looking for a people who don't go around thinking, my talent's got this covered. I don't have to put any, any time or effort into it. I've watched this team, and I've watched its leader. Can I put them in the right light? I've seen hours and hours and hours and hours just trying to get a note right. I've seen hours and hours and hours of trying to learn a new song and keep it fresh. I've seen the challenge come across to the team that if you will work as hard away from practice as you do when you come to practice, that we will grow in leaps and bounds. I've watched it over and over. I've also been with people and watched people who come in who have the talent. They're not prepared. They're not ready. They haven't spent any time. They just get up, and their talent carries them. Now, I'm not against talented people. 
by any stretch of the imagination. But what I'm against is when you think your talent is enough. I want to be like God. I want to be like Jesus. And the Apostle Paul is telling those people that he's writing to in, in Philippi. He's saying, I want you to get a hold of something. Get a hold of the mind that Jesus had. Jesus was God. All of the rights of God he carried. He could have called 10,000 angels. The word records it when he hung upon the cross to come and take him down and annihilate the enemies that he had upon the earth. But he humbled himself clear to death. He humbled himself in the garden, even though he had a will to stand up and fight. He said, not my will, but thine be done. And Paul is getting them to understand, Paul being a man who was tried for the calling in his life. A man who was beaten five times with the cat of nine tails, 39 stripes just like our Savior, but he did it five times in his lifetime. Re history records that, that Paul was a man of small stature, not a large man, but that he was scarred from head to toe. Crawled out from underneath rock piles when he had heavenly visions while he laid near death. Shipwrecked twice on the sea, floating in the depths. Makes his way to shore and gets bit by a viper. And everyone on the island waiting for him to die. And he just acts like Jesus. Death can't take me before God's ready. And he's trying to get across to them. If you want to be a giant slayer, you got to humble yourself. If you want to be a king, humble yourself. If you want to fulfill the call of God, humble yourself. Quit thinking you're all that and a bag of chips. When I was a young man, I was filled with myself. Because if you were not at the top of the class in high school, if you were not good at sports, if you weren't in one of the in crowds, you felt like you had a big question mark or a blank written on you. And so somehow, Michael, in life, I got it in my head, I got to become something. I've got to be somebody. I started traveling and singing, and I thought, this is it. I'll love the Lord and be somebody. And I'll sing, and everybody will fall in love with my voice, and I'll just be something. And then I heard myself recorded and realized, ain't nobody going to fall in love with that. I lived that way for a few years trying to become something and become someone and make a name only to find out that the more I tried, the more futile it became. Because God's way up is through humility. God's way up isn't by 
the, the process of natural promotion. You go to work for a company, you punch a time clock. I'm way off my notes. I'm just going to follow God. You punch a time clock, and, and you stay there for 30 years. You expect to come up through the ranks in one day to be promoted to something. That's natural attrition, but the truth is God's kingdom doesn't work that way. The more I humbled myself, the greater the graduation became in my life. And God is looking for people who think like Jesus. God wants people who are concerned about other people, not yourself. Quite honestly, the Bible tells us that God really has the opposite heart. He, he, says, he says, if you're arrogant or if you're proud, if you have a proud look, God resists you. The more I try to be something, the less I find people want me around. The more I try to become something and look important, the less I'm used. But how many of us have ever been around someone who just was full of themselves? And quite honestly, you just you just didn't like being around them. They irritate you. They aggravate you. Oh, it's all about you. And everything. Jesus wasn't born into nobility. He could have been. You see, Saul was a wrong choice because they chose him because he was tall. David was a right choice because he was a giant slayer. And he, he wanted to bring the presence of God back to the nation. But then when David was gone, his son Solomon... We all praise Solomon for his wisdom, but in the end, his wisdom wasn't very wise. He was the wisest man that ever lived for a while, but by the end of his life, he had made so many inroads with the enemy that he filled the nation that his father had purged of all idolatry back into idolatry. And just because you're born into a position doesn't make you the best person for that position. No, his daddy was a much better king because his daddy came up through the ranks. Is this all right? Anyone mad at me? Good. Jesus wasn't born into favor or blessing. He wasn't born into middle-class status of society, but really he was born into the working class of Nazareth, a city of ruffians, uncultured, and vulgar people. Not where you think God would decide to reside. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I love that. Put your finger on your chest and go, you wouldn't think this is where God would want to reside. Mm. He humbled himself even more and gave his followers a glimpse of the one class of people who most get the Father's attention. The servants. 
the slaves. The Greek word is doulos. It's someone who lives a life in a state of being subservient and in subjection. Do you know God doesn't care what position you hold. He's looking at what position you embrace. Jesus had every right to shove every king off of their throne and take it over. But he didn't come that way. He came as a servant. That is the attitude that captures the heart of Father God. When I give of myself to someone else. When I give of myself to someone else, when it's not easy, when it's difficult, when it's not always fun, but I keep giving. Why would God purposely take on the role of a slave? Why would he take it so far as to die a criminal's death? What purpose could there possibly be in this position that could help mankind? A slave? Really, God? It seems to me that military conquest has always been the right of establishment in the earth. Why such a slow and arduous process in world, world domination? Why would you start at the lowest place to take over the world? He chose a towel and not a sword, but why? Well, let's take a look at verse 10. That at the name of Jesus Every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in both heaven and earth and under the earth. What Jesus did was so astounding that every realm of God's entire domain will bow to the power, strength, and might of the God of humility. Let that sink in. Military conquest is forcing people to subjugate. But if you take the rite of passage of a servant and you serve them with a heart of love and you serve them in a role that puts yourself even lower than them and you love them and you cherish them and you help them, and you heal them, and you fix their problems, and you encourage them, and you take people who normally would be losers and make them winners. It's not hard to follow that kind of leader. The resentments of being forced to follow somebody could cause you to rise up in warring factions of rebellion against them. But tell me, who truly wants to rebel against someone who loves you so much? What Jesus did was so astounding that every realm of God's entire domain will bow to the power, strength, and might of God, the God of humility. A person so kind, caring, and selfless that he took your punishment 
took your beating, took your sickness, took your pain, took your mental frustration and your confusion, took your poverty upon himself, gave you his life and peace and joy and his standing and his conquest, his complete victory and his complete partnership. to purchase for you the right to share in his rights as the Son of God. He, Jesus, extended his conqueror's scepter to you, giving you the right to be seated with him positionally in heaven and over all of his domain. He made you a king. He made you royalty. He made you of, of, of a, a grand stature. He made you someone second to no one. He made you somebody by being nobody himself. When he extended his scepter and set you on his throne, he gave you the position. I, want, I, don't know if we, I don't know if we get this in the church. He gave you the position, child of God. The same as Jesus, son of God. Now he's the one and only unique. I am not God. Let's don't preach some goofy gospel. But positionally, I can sit and will sit in the same throne as Jesus. And while I walk the earth, I have his conquering ability. I have his name. When I speak his name and understand who I am, demons tremble. Darkness flees. And when he extended his scepter to you, along with it came all of its rights and privileges. And the promissory note of the down payment given to us is the paraclete, the Holy Spirit of God, Christ in us. I'm not a king's kid. I am a king. I am a king. So look, the reason Jesus gave us such a vivid object lesson on selflessness and on humility again goes back to verse 10. God wanted a people who would serve him willingly. That's why church isn't a forced issue. You don't have to go to church. But if you want to know him the way I know him, you got to go. If you know him like I know him, you know the word says to, not to forsake the assembling. If you understand what he's done for you, there's no other place you want to be. I look forward to coming to the house of God. I look forward to being with the people of God. I look forward to worshiping with you.
even as a young man when I came in, into the knowledge of the Lord, I wanted to be in the house of God. We started in a little church in a little town, 12 people every week on the roll. Sister McCulley, the pastor's wife, played the piano. A frail little woman, and her knuckle joints were blown out from arthritis, but she could pound a piano. That is an accurate description of our music service. She pounded the piano. She didn't play a piano. She attacked the piano. <laughs> she hit every key on it on every song. The whole time shouting hallelujah. Brother McCulley, our pastor, was also the song leader. And he was a man who'd worked in the railroad yard for years. And I think through life, his lungs had lost some capacity. And so he ran out of air on the end of every phrase. Put your hand in the nails, guard hand. Place your hand in the nail. Every song went that way. Yet every time she'd pound that keyboard, every time he'd sing the song, something came into me. A wave of God's goodness and glory. And they were the first people in my life that I ever met outside of my grandparents who every other phrase was, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, isn't he wonderful? And to a young teen that was, and to a young kid, that was just strange. People go around like they're talking to somebody. Well, praise God, isn't he awesome? It's like, ain't nobody in the room, just you. But this couple knew the secret of who they were and their assignment. And they left a larger church in Iowa to come down to Crescent Lake, Missouri, and to take on a church that... Did anyone ever go to church where you had to back up to the stove? And your restroom was down a pathway outside the building. I won't say anymore. Yet they gave up something that looked more successful to come to help 12 people hold it together. Why? Because 12 people are as important to God as 150. And they humbled themselves and they came. And my love for gospel music started with a piano player who attacked a piano. And my heart was changed because of a man who had to stop and grab breath between every statement. But there was something in their humility that made them giants in my eyes. The first time I ever went to a vacation Bible school was in Brother and Sister Macaulay's Church of Twelve. Biggest service we ever had, 40 people came on a holiday. 
They never missed a beat. And they could not have taken a salary from a church of 12 people that six of the people were children. That makes them a hero in my eyes. God wants a people who will serve him willingly, a people who would value his relationship, a people whose heart would be thankful, a people of loyalty who would love him regardless of what life has here to hand them. A people who could grasp their hopelessness. A people who would cherish the understanding. He didn't have to do it. He chose to do it. Because he wanted a people who weren't forced or coerced to serve him but a people who would follow his example to reach to their friends and neighbors and loved ones with the same mode of operation, loving and giving of yourself and sacrificing time and talent and money so that they could see his actions in you. In verse 2 of King James, it says that let this mind be in you. In other words, we need to be like-minded. The Amplified says to fill up my joy, to, to have this same frame of mind and displaying love that I have for you. Please, would you have it too and share it with someone else? Because the sword represents the power of force. But the towel represents the power of God through love. The sword will always have opposition. But the towel, how can you resent or despise someone you love? The power of the sword is force, but the power of the towel is love. We have coined a new catchphrase in Passion Church that I believe we will have until the sounding of the trump. Our mission, ladies and gentlemen, is to help people win. Help people win. The only way to make a winner out of someone is to teach them how important they are to God. This is why the word tells us to be like Christ, to be imitators of Christ. That if I treat you the way Jesus has treated me, you'll have no you'll have no recourse, but to open your heart and let healing begin. Not everybody wants to hear the message. Not everybody wants for me to act like Christ to them, but it's simply because they don't understand what he's done or my heart towards them. And it's not for me to stomp away from that person 
and put them on the shelf and say, useless and worthless and no good. It is for me to go back and get on my knees and say, Lord, how else can I approach them to reach them? Passion Church, just moving from here to a new building won't bring revival. But if we change, if we take this new idea with us, that we're going to help people win in every avenue of life. If you're struggling financially, then we start something to help you with your finances. If you're struggling emotionally, we've got some kind of counseling here to help you with that. If, if you're struggling spiritually, we're here to help you. Like Mylon gave his testimony today. I won't say any more than that. But Mylon gave his testimony that there was something that was plaguing him and hurting him. And when he came to us, I think he was afraid that great correction was going to come down upon his life. But I had the heart of Christ when I heard his heart. And I reached out to him. And Colleen reached out to him. And we said, come on, brother. We'll back you. We'll help you. We'll pray for you. We'll hold on with you. We'll, we'll show you the heart of the Father in this. God's never ready to discard you. God always wants to bring you back into the fold. God always wants to wrap his arms around you. He wants to take you from the place of a beggar to a king. He wants to seat you in places with him in heavenly places so that you have the power and the authority of his life and his victory to walk in and to have movement and have your being in in this life. Passion Church. This room is filled with winners. If you've asked Jesus into your heart, ding, 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 you win. <laughs> if you've asked Christ into your heart, and you've started your journey. It may not be a perfect example yet, but it can be. And if you'll learn to love other people as much as you know the Father has loved you, then somebody please tell me how we could fail our mission. There are so many who just want to be loved. Not everybody's easy to love. And not everybody's ready to reciprocate love. But listen to me. No matter how hard they are, every soul needs to feel loved. Do you know why we have a facility in this community that is wrapped with razor wire? It's because it's filled with people who were not loved properly. If you're watching by streaming, God loves you. And the heart of Jesus is to make you a winner. What do you mean by winner? I mean the power to overcome your constant Ability to fail. The power to overcome your low self-esteem. The power to overcome arrogance. The power to overcome difficulty and stress and heartache and brokenness. You have a Savior who loves you and wants you and desires you and won't live without you. 
you have a Savior who wants to break in to your life and help you. And all it takes, ladies and gentlemen, is simple surrender. Simple. Yes. Yes. Okay, Lord, I don't know how to do this. But yes, I'll get started. If you'll show me what to do, I'll just get started. Church, that's our assignment, showing others how to love Jesus. Because we love him. Do you know that's why your testimony is the single most powerful thing in your arsenal of weapons in God? Because nobody else has lived it, only you. And you know the power of overcoming what held you bound through submission. By being like Jesus and do loss or Becoming humble in his presence. This is why the word says, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. The saints will be doing this out of admiration and love. Those who've rejected him for a lifetime, who are in another realm will do it out of shame. Demons do it because they know they've been overcome. I do it because my heart understands what he's done. I do it because I'm in love with him. I do it because there is no other God. I do it because he loved me first. I do it because I didn't deserve his mercy, and I didn't deserve him to die for me, and I didn't deserve for him to take my sin away, and I didn't deserve for all the stupid things I've done. But he reached to me first. How could I live my life and not tell someone else how wonderful this God is? If you're here today and you hear what I'm saying and you want to start this journey today, to the best of your recollection, you haven't started this journey, but today you want to start, would you signify by lifting your hand and saying, pray with me, Pastor. Just pray with me. Agree with me that I can start this journey. Thank you. Thank you. Pray with me, Pastor. I want to get started, truly started on this journey. If you're streaming live with us, it's as simple as trusting his name. You can start your journey right here, right now. We can pray together right here, no distance between us. Father, for those that are streaming live, I'm going to ask you right now to pray with me, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart. I humble myself as you did. And I ask you now to become the Lord of my life.
the king of my life. Help me to learn how to grow into the privileges that belong to me. Seal me with the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, that I may forever, forever be sealed in eternity with my God. I say yes to your will and to your way. And I will live for you for the remainder of my days. We hope that this week's message encouraged you. Go out and release hope to your world and watch as lives are changed. If you enjoyed this message and want to learn more about Passion Church, then visit our website at passionchurchmo.com. We hope to connect with you. God bless.